1: today by telling you a story, a story that I know very well. Um, It's the story of a young man who lives a long time ago in just a faraway place. Uh, Story, he goes on an adventure and he realizes that after his adventure that he's not quite qualified to do what he he feels like he needs to do. So he needs some training. So he goes and, and he seeks a teacher so he travels uh, a great distance um, to this place, and it's not a very inviting place. It's dank, it's musty, it's kind of gross looking. Um, but he finds his teacher there, uh, and his teacher is this very small green person who is kind of weird and eccentric. All right, maybe this will be easier if I drop the facade. In Empire Strikes Back, you know, it wouldn't be me if I didn't have a Star Wars reference in my sermon. Uh, So in Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker, he travels to a planet called Dagobah to meet with Yoda, the great Jedi master, because he needs some training. Uh, Through the course of Luke's training, uh, he is doing all the things, all the flips, floating rocks, all good stuff. His ship begins to sink into the swamp. Uh, Oh, yeah, the, the slide was there. My bad, sorry, <laughs> I got distracted. Um, so his his ship begins to sink into the swamp. And so Yoda being Yoda tells him to lift it out. Um, and he gives him the advice of do or do not, there is no try. Such sage, super helpful advice. If you can't tell by my tone of voice, I'm being sarcastic. But um, Luke goes for it, he, he gives it a shot. He tries, he gives it his best effort. And he, he fails. And he's, he's in disbelief that something like this could be done. Yoda talks a little bit and gives him some advice. And it's better advice than do or do not. Um, but then Yoda goes and he demonstrates that it can be done. He lifts the ship out of the swamp using the force. And aghast, Luke says to Yoda, he says, I don't believe it. And Yoda responds with, that is why you fail. Not the most encouraging story to start with, but I promise it'll tie in. Today we're going to talk about something that doesn't often get talked about as Christians because it makes us a little uncomfortable, and I'm okay with making you uncomfortable, so we're going to go there today. Uh, We're going to talk about doubt. Doubt can be such a scary word sometimes because the Bible gives a pretty clear picture that we're supposed to have faith. We are called to be a people of faith, to be a people who have faith and, and walk and live it out. The only time generally in Scripture that we see people who have doubt are people who are being reprimanded because they don't have enough faith. Um, like Jesus saying to his disciples, why do you doubt? Um, over and over there's, there's times where people get reprimanded because of their doubt. But when we come to the reality of our lives, there's things that just cause us to go, huh, I don't know about that. We encounter things like mass shootings, or terrible disasters, or someone getting healed and another person dying from the same sickness. Or someone talking about how this random money showed up when there wasn't enough money to pay the bills, and that's never happened to you. Sometimes these things can can cause us to go, well, I just don't know about that. And the difficult thing is that we all encounter these things in our lives. As we walk through our lives, there's things that will cause us to go, huh, I don't know about that. But often, we don't feel like we can share this. Because because we can't feel like, or we don't feel like we can often share it, doubt can often be a very lonely place to be. We think that if we do share some of the doubts or questions, we think, what will, what will people think of me? Or we won't be able to serve on the worship team or on council or in a leadership position because I'm working through some doubts. I'm working through some questions. We feel like people are going to respond to us like Yoda did to Luke and say, when we say, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I believe that. And that is why you fail and just get get kicked out so many times doubt is viewed as this confession of failure that that we have failed we have doubts so now we have failed Um, and a person says you know the person that says that they have some doubts we view them as kind of halfway out the door already but I assure you that is not how we operate as a church we understand the reality of experience is a lot less cut and dry. This one hair is just giving, giving me the rounds today. And that if, see, we, we, we know that reality is a lot less cut and dry than just have faith. That, that, that doesn't help just when somebody comes to you and says, I've, I've got some questions, I'm having some trouble. Just have faith. Well, that that answers everything. Thank you very much. But if we are willing to admit that we encounter some doubts, it's really about what we choose to do with them. And this church, our goal is to be a place where we can work through those things. That we won't be a church that views you as halfway out the door, but we'll be a church that views you as... Okay, let's work through this together. Because the reality is, getting really good at hiding your doubt doesn't get you anything. doesn't accomplish anything. Faith that's come by honestly is the only thing that has any value in this situation. If we put in the work to find the answers, our faith will be stronger for it in the end. Faking that we don't have any doubt and believe everything, that's not church. That's not discipleship. The only way we're going to get to those places is by being honest. And if we can be honest and say to someone we trust, listen, I'm struggling with this thing, this part of my faith. I just don't, I don't know. And their response is, okay, let's let's work through this together. That's discipleship. That's church. That's what church is for. So today we're gonna take a look at faith and what it really means and doubt and what what we can do and how we can move to overcome it. So I'm not gonna stand up here and claim that I have all the answers, or I've never, you know, doubted in my life, or anything that, or I have a, you know, a 375-step plan that you can take to overcome doubt it's not going to happen. That's not the way it works. We will always encounter things that we just, we have questions about, that we just don't understand. And working through those things is actually just part of maturing as a Christian. Because we can't understand everything. But if we can move towards finding those answers... That will help us to mature as Christians. We can read passages like Hebrews eleven where it lists the it's called the Hall of Faith, where people by faith did this and by faith did that um, and all these people did these great and wonderful things for God they quite frankly I, I don't they blow my mind that these people could do these things and we get to verse six and it says and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And we think to ourselves, "Well, guess I'm out. I've got, I've got some doubts. I've got some questions. I don't know about that." So before we take a look at Judges six, we'll get there eventually. I said um, we need to kind of gain an understanding of what the Bible means when it talks about faith. Something we have to understand is biblical faith is not the absence of any kind of doubt. The disciple Peter, who has the faith to answer Jesus' call, to ask him to walk out on the water, is the same Peter that seconds later starts to sink because of his doubt. Or the disciple Thomas, who saw Jesus do incredible things, would only believe that Jesus had risen from the dead if he saw the physical wounds that Jesus had. We can sometimes convince ourselves that in our minds, our faith is only as strong as we are certain about it. So people think, I've got questions, I guess I can't. I have small faith or I can't believe. We, but really, we save the safe parts of our lives for church and the dangerous parts, our struggles, our wanderings, our doubts, our sin, those seemingly need to be left in the parking lot. But that's because we as people, we want certainty. That's not faith. The biblical concept of faith has nothing to do with how certain you are it's actually about how committed you are. So the same chapter as we just read, Hebrews thirteen one says, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. What it doesn't say is faith is certainty. It says that faith is the assurance of hope and the conviction to believe in stuff that we can't see. Faith in the Bible is actually a covenantal term. So a covenant is an agreement between two parties, and they they agree to do their part. So in the Old Testament, God had a covenant with the people of Israel, and God said, if you do these things, I will bless you. Most often, the people of Israel did not do these things, and so they got the curse part of the covenant promise, and we don't want to be there, but... Uh, the biblical concept of, of faith talks about this covenantal commitment, this covenantal relationship. It's about committing to a course of action or a way of life in the face of uncertainty. It's about being faithful in the times that we don't see or feel anything. It's every night that I put uh, my son Levi to sleep. He wants us to sing a list of songs, and we go through the songs. Some of them are worship songs. Some of them are ABCs. Um, he likes it. Helps him fall asleep. It's a good time. Uh, one of the songs that he loves to sing is "Is Waymaker," and in the bridge of Waymaker, it says, "Even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working." That's the conviction that I want him to have and that I myself want to have. That even when we're not certain, we have a conviction because we know who God is, that he is still working, whether or not I know it, whether or not I can feel it. it we're not certain, but we say, I choose to live this way. I choose to believe this. I choose to trust him. So in Judges 6, we have finally arrived. Uh, The nation of Israel is not in a good place. Um, Most of the book of Judges goes from they're having a judge. The people of Israel do good things. They're like following the Lord. And then the judge dies and everybody goes back to their old ways. The chapter starts out with saying that the people of did, people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And consequently, they were being punished for it. The The nation of Midian had come and had conquered and enslaved the people of Israel. So there we meet a man whose name is Gideon, who at this point in his life, you could say, is full of doubt. He doubts himself. He doubts his situation. He doubts that God is going to do anything in this situation. and So we'll start in, uh, in verse 11, and it says, So now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree at Orpha, which belonged to Joash the Abizorite, while his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Not exactly the greeting that you would expect for a guy hanging out hiding in a wine press. It just, it blows me away that Gideon actually doesn't respond to that at all. Mighty man of valor, Gideon's like, uh, I got some doubts, I got some questions here. He doesn't arrive and call him... Gideon, man who hides in wine presses. But the angel of the Lord comes and says, mighty man of valor. The interesting thing here is, is that the Lord addresses him as he sees him, not as Gideon sees himself. And not for what he is in that moment how often do we see our situations or the worst parts of us and that becomes who we are or that becomes how we think that God thinks of us this is, oh, oh Matt the man who can't make any decisions or oh whoever who has doubts and questions or whoever who's, who's secretly sinning or whoever who withholds his, his faith because he's really just not sure that's not it at all that is not how God thinks of us that is not how God addresses us because he is a God who gives us a future and a hope and he has plans for us to live out regardless of where we are now he has plans for us to do okay mini sermon over Uh, verse 13 and Gideon said to him please my Lord if the Lord is with us then why has all this happened to us see his response is He doesn't even address that you called him mighty man of valor. He's like, no, no, that's that's not it. I got some questions. And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. So Gideon is so focused on his situation, his questions and his doubts. That he doesn't even acknowledge what the angel called him. And I, I find this quite absurd that if the angel came to me and said, Hey, Matt, mighty man of valor, I'd be like, Hang on a sec, what did you say? You, okay. Especially if I was hiding in a wine press. Um, that's just my reaction, I suppose. Um, but Gideon immediately goes into voicing his questions and his doubts about the fact that of what the angel said. Even just that the Lord is with you. Gideon's like, well, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the Lord is with us. We're we're enslaved to these people. I'm hiding in a wine press just to save our wheat? It doesn't really seem like he's with us. Gideon is not convinced in any way of what this this angel has come to tell him. In verse 14 it says, And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. If you didn't know, Manasseh was one of the smaller tribes in the the nation of Israel. Um, and So there wasn't a lot of them in the first place. Uh, But... God's like, I, you know I, know, I know you're in a bad place, but we're going to move past that, and we're going to get to the point of where I'm leading you in this moment. He says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And once again, Gideon responds with his doubts, and he says, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm the least of the least here, God. Like, do you, do you understand who you're talking to? It doesn't even cross his mind that Gideon is going to, or God is going to use Gideon to free the entire nation. He doesn't even think that's possible in the state that he's in. Uh, when I was uh, 14 or so, I was at a, a, a camp called Power Zone, um, and Zach's probably the only remnants of, of Power Zone that, that can be remembered. Uh, but I was sitting there in, in our service, and the, the speaker was talking about, you know, God's got plans for you. God's you know, he's called, I can feel that God's called certain people here to ministry. And so he's like, I think you should come up to the front, and we're going to pray for you guys that feel called to ministry. Um, and so a few, a few of the kids started filtering up, and I was like, cool, good for you guys, that's awesome. And God's like, no, no, you, you go up there. This is the one time, I think, in my life that God has really been like audibly... Speaking to me, and my response was, no, "I think God, you've got the microphone pointed the wrong direction. It's probably him. Um, it, it's not me." Um, but no, God, God pressed, and He said, "No, it's it's you. You need to go up there." Um, it was it was a in my head. It was a very long conversation. Probably happened in like a tenth of a second. Um, but God's like, "Go up there." He's like, go. And so f- for me. I was in a place in my life where I I couldn't see that happening. I was like. I'm 14, I have no idea. I mean, I, I believe, I think. I don't know what's all going on. And if anybody, I'm sure a few people actually knew me at 14, they probably wouldn't have thought, hey, that guy's cut out for ministry at, at 14 years old. Um, but, it, it, but Gideon could not see past the fact that of where he was. He could not see that God could do great things, that the things that he recounted in his first response of leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt, um, crossing the Red Sea, all these things, those things could happen to Gideon. Those things could happen in his life. And he just couldn't see past it. Um, All he could see were the things in the way to get there, all the roadblocks. And he didn't really see that God was going to make a way past it. So he continues in uh, verse 16. God addresses him again. He says, And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midians as one man. And he said to him, Now if I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart until I come to you and bring you out and present my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So twice, God's like, Gideon, you're missing the point. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say I'm going to use you. I'm, I'm saying that I'm going to use you. Listen, I'm saying I'm going to use you. Gideon's like, okay, maybe. Let, let, me, go, let me go prep some food. He, he goes and he, he, makes, he makes some food and, and brings it before the Lord again and, and sets it before him. Um, because he's like... I don't know, maybe, the, maybe this is sinking in, but I need, I need assurance. And so he, he, he puts the food before the Lord and from the rock, got, he consumes it. It's gone. Gideon's like, oh, maybe, maybe there's progress here. Because in verse 22, he, it says, and then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. I mean, news flash. he's been telling you that the whole time. And Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now he's remembering that in the Torah, the first five books of the, 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 New, the Old Testament, sorry, um, God says that no one can see me face to face. They will die just because of who I am. Um, and Gideon's like, oh crap, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to die. This is, this is it, I'm going to die. Uh, but God responds, there's a peace to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. It reassures him. So going from this place, um, Gideon begins to do some pretty amazing things. Not without the need for more reassurance with the, the fleece and the, the water and the dew and that kind of thing. He, he still, ha- still doesn't have that confidence, but he moves toward that place. But the things that he does all stem from this moment that God shared with him who he actually was and what he was going to do through Gideon. God calls Gideon a mighty man of valor and one who will save his people. All of these things about Gideon were true, but Gideon's doubts were blinding him to that fact. Through coming to this realization and overcoming those doubts with God's help, He does amazing things. But it's a process that Gideon had to walk through. It wasn't just, boom, now Gideon's ready to lead an army and fight off the whole Midians by himself. He still walked through a process of discovering that these things that God told him were true. But through coming to this realization, through working through that, overcoming the doubts, God does these amazing things. And sometimes... In our lives, the doubts, the questions that we have can blind us to what God is actually saying to us. We allow them to speak louder than our faith. Louder than the truth of scripture and louder than the voice of God himself. It's not denying that doubts exist. Gideon truly voiced his. But rather, it's working through and discovering the answers that will actually be the strengthening of your faith. We we have to acknowledge that faith and doubt actually often coexist at the same time because of what faith actually means. Faith means not allowing these doubts to overcome us. Faith is not about being sure about ideas all the time but being faithful to the person of Jesus regardless of the turmoil that's going on inside our heads we're always going to encounter situations or questions that will cause us to say huh i don't know and we're always going to unfortunately have some unresolved questions because of who God is we are coming before God who is infinite And we, unfortunately, are not infinite. I I hate to break it to you. I I don't know if that's news to you today, but I'm sorry. Because a God we can fully understand is actually really not God at all. Scripture itself tells us this in Isaiah 55. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as... The heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher, or sorry, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We are going to encounter things that we just can't understand. But because of, oh, no, I jumped to the wrong spot. Sorry. We're yeah, we're going to encounter things that we just can't understand. So faith cannot be utter certainty or full understanding. Faith is trust. Faith is commitment. God didn't directly address all of Gideon's issues in that moment, but he did speak the truth about who Gideon was. And that truth about Gideon showed itself to be more powerful than the doubts, more powerful than the questions. Having questions doesn't mean you don't have faith. But you do have to put in the effort to resolve it. Because there are answers to the most common questions that we have. And truth is more powerful than doubt. The key is to stay married to Jesus. And don't let the questions call that off. It's trusting the person of God... We can, we can have some doubts and still be people of faith. It does not disqualify us from being people of faith. It's the cry of the man who brought his son to Jesus to be healed in Mark chapter nine, it says, "I believe, help my unbelief." That can become our prayer. That can become our desire is I believe. Help my unbelief. I need to see it. I need to have a moment with you, God. Uh, One of my favorite singers, his name is Ben Rector, he puts it like this. He says, I've got these doubts and I've got these questions. Things I don't understand, but I bet you'll sort them out. In that, he expresses both the fact that he's got some doubts, but he also expresses faith and trust. Those two things can coexist at the same time I I don't have all the answers but I know you do and you'll sort it out God the thing for us is not allowing our doubts to be louder than God's voice so I wanted to leave you you with a couple of things that could prove helpful as you work through any doubts or questions or things that you might be dealing with Now, I'm not trying to patronize you, but these might sound very similar to things that you've heard before. They're not new, they're not groundbreakingly revolutionary, but they're right and they're good. And sometimes, often, I know I do, we as people, we need reminders. We need to be reminded of the truth of things, reminded of the things we need to do in order to have this relationship that we've been given with God. So the first one, go to Scripture. God has given us this wonderful tool to be able to find the answers for the things that we encounter, to be given faith when the doubt is loud. The big thing for us and for my encouragement here this morning it is to not just go there when you have an issue. Because that's not really helpful. You might be having an issue because you weren't there in the first place. As you read the Bible, it fills you with the truth. The, Spirit, the Bible is not just words on a page. The Holy Spirit can show us things from those, those words that we would not have gotten if they were just words on a page. We can't just pick and choose what we want to hear and what we want to to find in Scripture. We need to understand the context. We need to read our Bibles and study them. We need to do the work so that when we encounter the, the issues, we can say, no, no, God said this in Scripture, and this combats this doubt that I have, and I know this is true. Read it, study it, not just occasionally. Leads into the second thing spend more time with Jesus. Through prayer, through worship, encounter Jesus. Seek him and you will find him, Scripture says. Knock and he knocks. He's looking for us, he's knocking at our door. Are you going to open the door to, to hear his voice? He can be louder than any issues that we have. But we've got to spend that time. We've got to know who he is if we're going to be encouraged by his words. A lot of people's doubts can come from not having experienced God. We can believe in our heads all sorts of things, but he doesn't feel real. It's good for me to know that God so loved the world that he gave his only son Truth that's not taken to my heart is just words. They, they don't have an impact. What will impact me is when I, I put myself into those words, when I can see, hear, and sense that Jesus is speaking those words to me with my name on it, all of the things that he says in his word. He says it to me personally. He says, For God so loved Roy that he gave his only son. For God so loved bright that he gave his only son. It becomes personal. It becomes more than just words. It moves from knowledge that so many people have. So many people in the world know those verses but do nothing with them. It doesn't have any impact upon them. It can go from just words to something that has a a deeply significant personal impact in our lives. And the last thing I'll leave you with is find someone in your life who you can trust. Maybe who's more experienced in their Christian walk with you, or maybe just somebody who's more experienced in this situation that you're dealing with in your life. Share your struggles, share where you're at, and work together to see the truth that God is telling you rather than what the doubts are because so often we can get stuck in our own heads and we can rattle around this thing and this thing becomes bigger than it actually was because we haven't said it out loud and we haven't heard somebody say, well, did you think about this? Well, what about this verse here that speaks directly to what you're, you're dealing with? And it's, oh, I'd never thought of that. Not that it just suddenly everything's gone, but it's, Okay, this is an encouragement, an encouraging moment for me to now walk this out. An experience, I kind of alluded to it, doesn't necessarily mean age. It can mean age. But experience can be a peer who's walked through that same thing that you have, or that you are are dealing with and that you are struggling to understand. If you're struggling with God's goodness, find someone who has gone through a situation that was not good, and had to reconcile that fact with their faith. It's only one example, but there's so many things that other people have already walked through, and we can learn from them, and we can be encouraged by them, and say, they can come to us and say, hey, how are you doing with that? Like, I, I want to encourage you, I want to build you up, so how are you doing with this? You're, you're struggling about God's goodness, and you can work through it together, because two are better than one. One. And those of us who have been through those times where we've had to question and had to reconcile, be a help to those around you who are struggling. Don't respond when someone says, oh, man, I've got, a, I've got some questions, I've got some doubts. Be like, eh, okay, see you later. Be like, no, no, let's let's try, let's work through this together. Let's find the answer in scripture that it talks about. Um, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says this. says, Jumped way ahead. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. When we've been through something and we have found our faith to be stronger in the end, Let's bring other people along with us. Bring people who, who are struggling to get through those situations and bring them to say, here, this is what helped me get through this. I encourage you with this, and let's work through this together. Let's find that answer together. So hopefully these a few reminders of things that we can do to build our faith and be encouraged uh, are something that you can take with you. you see. So you, so that you can hear the truth louder than the doubt. My prayer for you today is found in Jude uh, Jude 24 and 25 and it says this. It says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only god our savior through Jesus Christ our lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time now and forever. Amen. So we can encounter doubts, but we have a God who can
0: keep us from stumbling. I speak the name of Jesus over you. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family, we go. In Jesus' name.
1: that the fear inside would flee in jesus